your first time here then thank you for joining us this is the doula's guide to dot 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 with me meg also known as the dungaree doula it's the podcast where we talk about all things pregnancy birth and parenting my aim is to share unbiased information alongside a bit of friendly chit chat to ensure that you head into parenthood feeling confident and excited for what's to come if you're new to the podcast and would like to know more about me then go and check out episode one for a little introduction and a big chat on hypnobirthing and the following episodes for some great birth and parenting preparation And if you love the podcast, you can now leave me a little tip to say thank you by buying me a coffee. Link is in the show notes. Huge thank you in advance. Before we get into this episode, I do want to quickly say thank you to everyone who has shown the podcast some love recently. I have been loving reading your reviews and messages about it, so thank you for letting me know. I've been really, really busy uh, working behind the scenes recently on some really exciting stuff, including a full online course called The Doula's Guide to Preparing to Give Birth, which is almost ready and it is so good. As soon as it's ready, I'll let all of you lovely listeners know how to access it with a special discount code, so keep your eyes peeled for that. I've also been attending lots of wonderful births and in a first for me, last week I ended up at two births within a couple of days of each other, which was just incredible. So as I record this, I'm still on a huge, huge oxytocin high from a really, really incredible home birth, which has inspired me to record this episode all about giving birth at home. One of my favourite topics. So I'm going to be chatting about your right to give birth at home, how safe it is, what happens if you need to transfer, what happens on the big day itself what you need and what to do if you're being told you can't have one. So I hope it's really helpful and really joyful. Let's get into it. So one of the first things that always comes up when talking about giving birth at home is who can give birth at home because it's not always presented to us as something that's an option, right? When we get pregnant, we just think we're going to give birth in the hospital. When we go to our very first midwife appointment, our booking an appointment, they'll generally ask us what hospital we want to be under. A lot of the time, it's not actually even mentioned to us that you can choose to give birth in the hospital or in the midwife lead unit or at home. But anyone can give birth at home. Literally anyone. It doesn't matter what you've been told from your midwife, from your GP, from your obstetrician. It doesn't matter what risk category you've been put in, whether you're high risk, low risk, any of that stuff. It is your legal right to choose where you give birth, including at home, regardless of anyone else's opinion. And all NHS trusts are expected to run a home birth service. However, this is not guaranteed in the law. It can be suspended, but they must have explored every single avenue before they suspend their home birth service. And there are things that they do have to do to meet you at home because midwives must attend you at home. It is their legal duty to attend to you at home if you are choosing to have a home birth. So it's their legal duty to meet your needs and to act in your best interest, regardless of if they disagree with your preference to give birth at home and regardless to if your trust has a home birth service or not. So if your trust tells you that they will not attend you or that they they will not come to you, they cannot force you to go to the hospital. Um, at the end of the episode, I'll discuss what to do. If you're being told that, you know, it's unlikely there'll be anyone to attend you because of staffing shortages or things like that. 
Like I said, if you've got a high-risk pregnancy, it's still absolutely fine to give birth at home. Only you can decide. Healthcare professionals legally must not put pressure on you or threaten you when you're deciding where to give birth, even if they disagree with your decisions. They must not threaten to involve social services or anything like that to try and gain consent for you to go into the hospital. It is not within their duty to do that. It is illegal for them. They're allowed to discuss with you your options are allowed to say to you, look, if you give birth at home, this is a risk factor. This is why we wouldn't recommend it. But they're not allowed to tell you no. They're not allowed to tell you not to. And they're not allowed to put any sort of undue pressure on you to make you not have a home birth. All they can do is give you the facts, give you the evidence, give you the statistics and let you use that to make up your mind. But ultimately, it is your decision. The only time it can be overridden is if it's judged that you do not lack the mental capacity to make the decision to birth at home. But that is a really, 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 really rare thing to happen. It involves legal procedure happening. And I'm not going to get too much into it now because it's just so rare that it's not it's not worth discussing right now. But I will put a link to the birth rights article in the show notes where you can read up on that happening because I know that's what everybody wants to know. But first of all, I'm just going to tell you what the main reasons are that people think they cannot have a home birth. Because a lot of people, you know, when they start to learn about how birth works and they start doing their birth preparation, they realise that being at home just makes logical sense, right? It's where your oxytocin is flowing. It's where you feel really safe. It's where you feel really comfortable. It allows all of those hormones to flow through your body so that your body can just do what it needs to do to be able to give birth, to be able to have a physiological labour, Right? But we don't always think that we can. And these are the reasons that I hear the most from people about why they think that home birth might not be for them. The most common one, I've already just said, is I'm not allowed. Absolutely the most common reason. People will say, oh, I'd love to give birth at home, but I'm not allowed. But as I've just said, it is your legal right to choose where to give birth and to be supported in your choices. Even if other people, if healthcare professionals disagree, you're still always allowed. Another one is I don't have room for a pool. Um, This doesn't matter either. I think we just sort of, because we see pictures or videos or hear birth stories of people at home giving birth in a pool, we always just assume that you have to have a birth pool to give birth at home. And that is simply not true. I gave birth at home and I didn't have a pool. Not because I didn't have room, just because... I mean, I'm a doula. I, I knew what it was like to put a birth pool up and fill it up and take it down. It takes quite a while and I labour quite quickly. So I just didn't think it would be worth it for me. And it was the right decision. I wouldn't have had time. Um, but a lot of people just think, I don't have room for a pool, so I'm not going to be able to give birth at home. But it absolutely doesn't matter. You could, I mean, you could find room if you really wanted to. You could maybe move some furniture around and things like that. But if it's really not an option, you could utilise water in another way. Could you use your shower, rub that, um, have the shower sort of pointing against your back? Could you use um, your bath for some of it? Could you put warm or cold flannels on your body? Could you try other non-pharmacological pain relief options like massage, TENS machines, hypnobirthing, things like that? You don't have to have a pool. Another common reason is people saying, I don't want to deal with the mess. (laughs) So that's fair enough. You don't want to have to deal with the mess after you've given birth. But home birth is really rarely messy. Um, Like I said, like I've had a home birth and I've been at home birth as a doula a lot of the time and it's not messy. Um, If you have a pool, obviously you have to put that up and take it down. But if you have a doula, 
they'll generally do that for you. I always do that and people don't even realise that I've packed it up and they turn around and they're like, ah, okay, it's gone. <laughs> um, if you're having a pull, so there is that to do, but partners can get them down really quickly. Pulls are easy because, um, well, you can, you, not everyone has them, but you can get um, pumps that pump the water out of them. So to pump them up, it takes literally like two minutes. You just use a pump that's really similar to how you'd pump up an airbed. Takes a couple of minutes. You fill it up, takes about 20 minutes. You use a special tap adapter, you use a hose, and then you do your stuff, give birth in it, whatever. And then afterwards you get like this special thing. It's called a submersion pump, submersion water pump. And you literally attach that to your hose, put it into the water and it gets all the water out really quickly as well. And then you just pack it away. It's really not that difficult. Um, And yeah, the rest of it isn't messy. You you probably have some puppy pads down, you have some towels around, and that kind of contains the mess. And you just put the puppy pads in the bin, put the towels in the wash, and it's done. It's it's no more mess than you would have from any other day. So yeah, it's really easy. It's It's not a massive big deal. It's not something that's like a huge ordeal to tidy up after you've given birth. Another reason is that there's no staff, but we've just covered that. Like I said, they do have a legal um, duty to attend to you, to find staff from somewhere. And at the end, we will cover this in more detail. And then also, I commonly hear either my partner doesn't want me to have one or I'm worried about my older children. So if your partner doesn't want you to, then you know, this is quite common. Partners generally are not as involved in the birth preparation, so they don't understand why you would want to. They've got the same sort of societal views as us that we've been getting from sort of every angle at every age of our life that birth is risky, that birth takes place in the hospital. So they generally will not understand as much, but if you can educate them, if you can get them involved in your birth preparation, that's usually enough to convince them that birth is enough to, like birth is safe, birth is fine to give birth at home. Um, if they're still not on board after that then you need to have a frank discussion with them and just say look these are my wishes I really want your support I really want you to respect me in this decision I really want you to be there for me what is it that you're scared about let's work through it work through it together um my partner didn't want me to have a home birth at first well he did it's not that he didn't want me to he just kind of was like nope it's too risky we're not doing it we're going to the hospital and I'd said to him it's not look you know like at this point I'd already done my doula training I'd already been supporting people um, and I said to him everything that I wanted and in the end I made him a PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> so extra, I made him a PowerPoint presentation and I put on like all the statistics about how safe it was, I put up like the backup plans that we would have, um, I wrote on it like everything that I wanted and he read it and he was like okay whatever fair enough and he basically his words were something like if you stop going on about it then it's fine I'll support you I understand how much you want it and I was like okay I'll stop going on about it now <laughs> and then we ended up having our home bath and now he bloody loves it all the time he tells everybody like how good it was whenever we find out people are pregnant our friends are pregnant or anyone he's like telling them that they should have a home bath he's telling people about what a great day it was how easy it was and stuff like that so now he's like a home birth like convert but yeah he wasn't down either and it is common for partners to not not think that it's a good idea but yeah as soon as you start like talking to them about it 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 all sort of it falls into place it can unravel and like I said as well people worry about older children um but I think the main thing to consider with this is that if you have older, older children so say this is your second third fourth child whatever then if you were heading away from home, so for example, to the hospital or the midwife-led unit, you'd still need somebody to look after your children, right? You can't take them to the hospital with you. 
So being at home solves that in two different ways. It either solves it in that you have your children around, which is fine, loads of people give birth with their older children around, or it solves it because if you were planning to head away, whoever was going to look after them then can just come and look after them either at your home or come and collect them and take them to their house, right? Like, it's really not that big a deal. You're going to have to do something with your children either way, unless you just have them hanging around, which, yeah, some people do. And then the last one, obviously, we're going to get straight into in a second, is what if something happens? So what if there's an emergency? Um, A true emergency during a home birth is incredibly rare. Uh, The majority of transfers into hospital happen because of maternal instinct. Um, So that means that the person who's giving birth feels like they want to move, they want to go somewhere else. Um, Or clinical indications. A clinical indication is where the midwife who's in attendance um, sort of states that she thinks something's not going as it should. And so she would like you to move into the hospital, maybe for extra monitoring or something like that. It's generally not a rushing emergency. It's really, really rare. But in the sort of, in the the rare case that it was an emergency, then an ambulance can be called just as it would in any other emergency scenario. But we'll get into safety in a second. So asking if it's safe kind of feels like a loaded question because no one can say for sure with 100% certainty that something is safe, right? But at its core, birth is safe and statistically birth is safer for the majority of us when it's undisturbed and within the home and there are always going to be exceptions right some people are just not suited to birth at home so you know people with uh, certain medical conditions people with certain disabilities maybe those who go into preterm labor but if we're talking on a general population level then yes home birth is safe so in, in the UK, the biggest the biggest load of research that we have on home birth was done in 2020 by The Lancet. And I'll leave the link in the show notes so that you can check this out for yourself because it really is it's a fascinating read. Um, but this research, it looked at over 500,000 births and it's titled Maternal Outcomes and Birth Interventions Among Women Who Begin Labour Intending to Give Birth at Home Compared to Women of Low Obstetrical Risk Who Intend to Give Birth in Hospital. That is such a mouthful. (laughs) And this compiled loads and loads of data and came to the conclusion that for first-time parents, giving birth at home was as safe as giving birth in the hospital. And for second-time parents, it was actually even safer to give birth at home than it was in the hospital. So, like, how incredible is that? Over 500,000 births this took into account and categorically found that giving birth at home is as safe, if not safer, than giving birth in the hospital. Um, This research had like so many really incredible outcomes. It found that women intending to give birth at home compared to hospital were less likely to experience cesarean sections or operative vaginal births, less likely to have an epidural, episiotomy or third or fourth degree tear, less likely to have oxytocin augmentation, so where you speed labour up using um, synthetic oxytocin via a drip, so a form of induction, and less likely to have maternal infection. And then when looking at statistics for postpartum hemorrhage, it found that women intending home births were either less likely or did not differ from those intending to have a hospital birth with the rates of postpartum hemorrhage. So hopefully that answers the is home birth safe question. Because yes, home birth is safe. And in many, many cases, it's safer than being in the hospital. But again, this this depends to reiterate it depends it depends on your definition of safe what's safe for one person 
maybe unsafe for the next. So make your own decision based on what's included in this episode, uh, what your hospital statistics look like, how you personally feel, your own research. Put all of those things together to make a really informed decision on whether home birth is right for you. If you listened closely to the title of that study, it was so wordy, um, you might have missed it. But the title of that study included that it was only looking at low-risk women. And obviously not everyone is labelled as having a low-risk pregnancy. Um, so I'll talk to you about what it means to have a high-risk pregnancy and a high-risk home birth and how safety concerns may look for you. So high-risk can mean any number of things. It's really difficult to distinguish the research around high-risk pregnancies because you could be labelled at high-risk for so many reasons. So it could be like something seemingly not very risky at all, like your BMI or your age. Um, it could be to do with things that are cropped up during your pregnancy, so like gestational diabetes or preeclampsia, things like that. Um, as a side note here, I supported the most incredible home birth last week, two weeks ago, uh, last week um, with a woman who had gestational diabetes. And it was just incredible. So it's absolutely possible to have a home birth if you have any of these conditions. Um, but yeah, that was just a side note. <laughs> or you could be high risk because of a more serious medical issue or problem. But as I've said, high risk home birth is absolutely within your rights, even if your midwife, your doctor, your consultant disagrees with your decision to birth outside of the hospital. So if you feel that whatever it is that has caused you to have this high risk label um, slapped onto your pregnancy, if you feel that it isn't going to have any effect on the safety of yourself, of your baby, then you can absolutely give birth at home. And there is research to suggest that it is safe to have a high-risk pregnancy and um, a high-risk birth at home. So I'm going to share some really key findings from a 2015 large-scale study that was again done in the UK. And again, it will be linked in the show notes. Another wordy title. It's called Birthplace in England Research Programme. Further analysis to enhance policy and service delivery decision-making for planned place of birth. But this study was designed to compare aspects of safety in birth by planned place of birth at the start of labour. So it's not just about high-risk pregnancy, but it's got a really important bit about high-risk pregnancy. But just note that this study didn't distinguish which high-risk factors were in play. So when it talks about people who were high-risk and how safe birth was for them, it just looked as people at people with a high risk factor as a whole. So they literally could have had any number of risk factors. They could have been in this risk factor category, like we said, purely based on their BMI. They could have been in it because of something incredibly medical and serious. We just don't know. They just looked at people who were called high risk. But this study found that in high risk birthers, Planned home birth was associated with a reduced risk of maternal intervention or adverse outcome requiring obstetric care and an increased probability of having a straightforward birth compared with planned obstetric unit birth. Obstetric unit birth is just labour ward birth. It found that in higher risk women compared with planned obstetric unit birth, Planned home birth was associated with a significantly reduced risk of an adverse perinatal outcome and the difference reflected a higher neonatal admission rate in planned obstetric unit birth. And finally, it found that when the measure of adverse perinatal outcome was restricted to include only intrapartum related mortality and morbidity, 
a measure including intrapartum stillbirth, early neonatal death and specific intrapartum related morbidities, planned home birth was not associated with a significant difference in risk compared to planned obstetric unit birth. So home birth for high-risk women overall came with reduced risk of adverse outcomes. So this could be things like emergency caesareans, assisted deliveries, babies needed assistance at birth. It found that women were having more straightforward labours at home, so with a lot less intervention, and it found no difference in stillbirth or neonatal death numbers. So if you're high risk and you're planning a home birth, this is a really, really great paper to look at, to read, to take in, and also to reference if you're having to argue your case for a home birth with doctors, with midwives, with people like that. Not that you should have to, of course, you should never have to argue people like, no is a full sentence. You do not have to argue your case, but if you feel that it would be worthwhile to do so, you can reference this paper with people who disagree with your choice to have a birth at home. You can shut down any conversation. This would be a really good go-to. <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously, you know, if you're high risk, those that was based on people who were high risk just in general. Like I said, it didn't take into account what the risk factor actually was. So obviously for some people, it's going to be less safe, but for some people, it's going to be even more safe. So yeah, give it a read. Think about it in terms of what your own particular risk factor is if you are labelled as being high risk. So moving on, if it's so safe, then why do we give birth in hospital as the norm? Like, why don't we all just give birth at home? So basically, in 1970, uh, the Peel Report was published, and this recommended 100% hospital birth, followed by a few days hospital stay postpartum, based on no solid, reliable evidence. <laughs> so this was basically for the safety of mother and baby. So the report stated, we consider that the resources of modern medicine should be available to all mothers and babies. We think sufficient facilities should be provided to allow for 100% hospital delivery. The greater safety of hospital confinement for mother and child justifies this objective. But based on what we've just discussed, hospital is not safer at all. It's as safe if not safer, to be at home. And pre-1970s, home birth was commonplace, so this recommendation just seems completely misguided. Um, it states that modern medicine should be available without actually acknowledging that birth isn't a medical event. It rarely requires medicine. And it also doesn't account for the fact that being in the home doesn't equal a completely non-medical birth either. Like, midwives bring the medicine to you. So if you require the medicine, you can have a medical birth at home. You can have gas and air at home, you can have pethidine, you can have a syntercinone injection for birth in the placenta, you can have local anaesthetic to use when you're having stitches, etc, etc, etc. Like the list goes on and on. You can still have a medical birth at home. So really, we yeah, we have this report to thank for birth moving to the hospital under the guise of safety, which is incredibly frustrating because giving birth in the hospital is not always safer. For a lot of us, it's not at all. And to reiterate, I'm not bashing modern medicine. I'm not saying it has no place in birth. I'm not saying everyone should give birth at home. I'm not saying everyone should give birth drug-free. I'm just saying that a blanket recommendation that everyone should be in the hospital just seems quite mad to me, really. And even more so in this day and age now when hospitals are really, really struggling with like staffing issues, with underfunding, with overcrowding. I really feel like there needs to be a move towards letting people know that home birth is safe, letting people know that home birth is an option, letting people know that home birth is a really good solid option for a lot of us and not a medical event that has to take place in the hospital. 
So we touched on transferring into hospital at the beginning, but following I will just talk a little bit about sort of people who worry about the safety concerns um, with a home birth. What about if you need to transform transfer into hospital? Um, but like I said, the most common reason for transfer to hospital from a home birth is maternal request because of a long labour. So you've been in labour for, I don't know, days. You're absolutely knackered. You request to go into hospital so that you can have an epidural and get some sleep. Or the midwife might suggest transferring in for the same reason. You might want to go in and have a cesarean because you're just overly tired. You've got nothing left to give. That is the most common reason, not because of some big emergency, just maternal request. That's it. It's taking too long. And don't get me wrong, you can have a long labour at home. Like, that's absolutely fine. Some people have labours that last days and days and days at home and they just ride it out because they're comfortable. They're getting little bits of rest in between. Things are happening. But if you're not and it's getting too hard, you can transfer to hospital. No problem. You can transfer into hospital at any time. This is such a non-emergency that most of the time you can just travel there to the hospital in your own car. You don't even need an ambulance, you don't need any assistance. You just go in in your own car as if the plan the whole time was to go to hospital like anyone else who's giving birth there. If there was any sort of distress that requires an ambulance transfer, midwives are highly trained to spot this in advance. So they would call an ambulance, you'd be the highest priority because you're in labour, so they would get to you as fast as possible. And the delivery suite would be informed so that they were ready as soon as you arrive to take you in and to resolve whatever had happened. But this is super, super rare. Lots of things can be dealt with at home and midwives bring loads of equipment with them if you or your baby should require any sort of help. Moving on, we'll talk about what happens because we could talk about safety, about risk, about NHS, um, literally all day. <laughs> but I think I've covered a lot of bases there. So I'll leave sort of further reading in the show notes. Feel free to have a look through those. Um, you might also find some of my other podcast episodes helpful for further informing your birthplace choices. So episode four, choosing where to give birth, obviously. And also episode 11, which is birthrights decision-making and finding up-to-date research too. And um, those two episodes might really, really help. But let's talk about what happens at a home birth and what you need. What happens at a home birth is completely down to you. Like that's the beauty of it because you're in your own environment. You can do whatever you want. So in early labour, you just go about your day as normal, regardless of where you're planning to give birth. So even if you were choosing to give birth in the hospital, in early labour, you just go about your day as normal until it's time to transfer in. And with home birth, it's the same, you know, just have a coffee with a friend, walk the dog, do some pregnancy yoga. I don't know, whatever you were planning to do that day, go ahead with it. If it's bedtime, go to bed, get yourself some rest. If you're having midwives attend to you, so if you're not having a free birth, if you're just having a home birth, but with midwives, then... Check if your current if your trust is currently having staffing issues because it seems like the whole of the UK at the minute are having staffing issues. And if they are, it can be a good idea to just give them a heads up at this point that you're in labour. So you don't want anybody to come out to you in early labour, um, but calling up the home birth team, the hospital, whoever it is, and telling them that things are starting out can be a good idea um, just so that you know they're expecting you and they know they'll be called out to you at some point. It doesn't tell them when, obviously. You could be calling them in a couple of hours, you could be calling them in a couple of days. But it means that you and them can put plans in place to ensure that somebody is available. Because the last thing you want is to call them up at the last minute and for them to go, sorry, we don't have any staff. And then they don't have enough time to find anybody for you. 
Because as I mentioned at the beginning of the episodes, midwives have a legal duty to attend you in labour or to find somebody who can. But obviously this process can take time, right? So if you ring them up and they go, we have no staff in this hospital, they need to find somebody to attend to you. But if you're already at the pushing stage of labour, they don't have much time to do that. So if you give them forewarning, it can be really helpful. So they can, if they can't get out to you, they could call up other local trusts to see if anybody further afield can attend you. If not, then some trusts have local independent midwives on bank who they can call upon. They might have people on call who are not meant to currently be working, but who they can ring up to come out to you, things like that. But this does take time. So the more notice you give them for this, the better. Um, it's obviously up to you whether you do this or not some people don't like feeling like they're on the clock or anything like that but it's handy to do because then you know it's just being care of while you're laboring at home completely like complete in complete bliss like you don't have to worry about any of that sort of thing and then it's down to you to labor how you wish so you might have a birth pool to set up you might have a doula to call over you might have family or friends to come around or equally you might just kick everybody out of the house it, it's completely up to you um, when things progress, then you might call the midwives back and you might ask them to come out. Usually they'll send one midwife out first to just sort of assess the situation. So this doesn't mean that they come and they like give you a physical assessment, like a vaginal exam or anything, unless you want one, of course. Um, it just means that they might come out and have a chat. They might observe you having contractions, see where they think you're at. If they think you're closer to the end, then they'll call out the second midwife because you're meant to have two midwives attend to you. But yeah, they'll just send one just to see. Um, But yeah, if they think you're near the end, they might call out the second midwife. If not, they might hold on and observe a little bit more to see if anything changes and then call them up. Or they might say they're going to head back to wherever they're based and to call, you know, if anything changes when things get more intense. If you call up and they can tell via the phone call that things are really close, so maybe from the noises that they can hear you making during contractions or how your birth partner or your doula describe what's going on, then they might send both midwives out together at first. When the midwives arrive, they like to do basic observations. So as with everything, this is your choice, but it's things like listening to baby's heart rate to gauge your baseline for further monitoring that they might do, checking your heart rate, your blood pressure and your temperature. And then they'll find somewhere to sit. So if you want them to stay in the room, they will. But in my experience, unless you're in the second stage of labour, so the pushing bit, they'll just sit outside the room, they'll fill in their notes, maybe eat some biscuits. You don't have to provide biscuits, but a lot of people do provide biscuits for the midwife. So they'll just sit out there, sit with their biscuits, fill in their notes, and then they'll pop back in when they want to do monitoring or just if they want to just check how things are going. Um, you can choose every time about the monitoring, whether or not it's the right time or not. Um... But yeah, it, it's completely up to you. In the pushing stage, you like to listen in to baby's heart rate after every single contraction. But I'm not going to cover monitoring too much um, because that's a whole separate episode by itself. But there are lots of different approaches to this. Midwives also offer different approaches to the very end of labour. So the crowning bit, protecting your perineum. Um, but again, that's for a whole other episode. So that's something to consider for your birth plan. How much or how little you want the midwives to be involved. They'll be nearby though during this second stage. And then once the baby's born, you go about all of your preferences for the golden hour. So how you want to birth the placenta, what you want to do with the cord, um, initiating feeding. And the midwives again generally leave you to it. Um, and then after the golden hour, they could do things like weighing baby, newborn checks, checking for tears, stitches if you want them, uh, filling in all their notes. And then they just leave you to it which is just the best bit. You just get to get in your own bed with your brand new baby 
and it just it feels like heaven it is amazing um i asked on my instagram recently what people's favorite things about their home birth was and so many people said getting into their own bed and eating their own food with their new baby it's just the best feeling ever <laughs> and that's it it's it's super simple super normal sometimes super boring it doesn't have to be you know some remarkable instagram worthy insane experience for a lot of us Home birth's not like that, it's just a really natural, uneventful experience, but that's what makes it so special. And before I wrap up this episode, I'm quickly going to talk about what you need. You do not need much at all. So really, all you truly need is yourself and some towels. I'm saying towels are my ultimate, ultimate essential. That's my number one thing you need, just loads of towels. Even if you're not using a pool, because you'll want them to protect your flaws. Um, so for when like you start bleeding, when the placenta comes out, you'll want one to wrap your baby in. You want some to maybe wrap yourself in afterwards. You'll want to put some down on your bed to lay on top of. Honestly, towels. Towels and snacks, actually. Snacks are my other number one. <laughs> but you can do it with just that. I did it with just that. I had loads and loads of snacks, a huge water bottle and loads of towels. And that was it. I didn't have any, I don't know, coping mechanisms. I just used breathing, used active birth positioning, put some towels underneath me and ate loads of snacks. <laughs> I had some fairy lights actually, but they were already up in the bedroom, but I was glad of them once I'd turned off all the lights. Um, other things that you might want, you might want a bath pool. So I said at the beginning, I didn't have one, um, but you might want a bath pool. If you do, you can get hold of these quite easily. So ask your local trust, some midwife led units hire them out. Um, if not, local birth workers often do. So I have two which I hire out to clients. If you're in Leeds, you can hit me up if you want to hire a birth pool. Um, but yeah, check with your local birth workers. You can buy them if you think you might use it multiple times or you might want to pass it on, sell it on afterwards. You can buy one as well. Um, you need anything that you might want to enhance the environment. So or use like a coping mechanism, like a TENS machine, fairy lights what else, uh, affirmation cards, essential oils, uh, cold flannels, toiletries, but that's, that's really it, obviously if you have a pool, there's stuff that comes with the pool, so you need to have like a liner, a pump, uh, a hose, tap adapters, some other little bits and bobs, but that, that's it, you can get hold of this stuff really easily, and it's all the stuff you would have at home anyway, like your home is already set up to feel safe and calm, so there's not that much you need to do to enhance the environment, just turn the lights off basically. <laughs> and that about wraps it up. There was one more thing that I wanted to discuss, but actually what I'm going to do is link a blog post that I've been working on in the show notes instead, because I think it's a lot easier to have this information written down. And that is about what to do if you're having trouble getting a midwife to attend you. Because I've had a couple of clients recently and we've meticulously worked really hard uh, to ensure that they have a care plan put in place so that midwives have to attend on the day and there's sort of a strict set of things that they have to do to find somebody to attend. So regardless of staffing issues. So look in the show notes for a blog um, on my experience of of my experience of this um, and how to contact various different people, how to get your trust to employ independent midwives, templates for speaking to the head of midwifery, templates for speaking to local MPs and bits like that. It's um, it's definitely worth a read if you're currently struggling or send it to your doula. If you've got a doula, get them to sort of do these things because yeah, it just, it, it helps, it gives you peace of mind, doesn't it? If you know that someone is definitely going to make it out. And that concludes this episode on home birth. I hope it was helpful and it's given you a lot to think about. 
if you're planning a home birth, I wish you all the best and I would love to hear about it when it happens. Uh, the more wonderful home birth stories out there, the better. If you'd like to discuss planning for a home birth or any other aspect of pregnancy and birth in more detail, you can book in for a power hour with me. So this is a one-off, one-hour session to get clarity on your circumstances for £30. So I'll pop the link in the show notes. I also mentioned TENS machines in this episode. If you'd like to hire or purchase a TENS machine, I have a 10% off discount code. I'll link that in the show notes too. And if you have any more questions, then come hang out on Instagram where I'm at the Dunkery Doula. Please let me know if you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening. Please stick around if you enjoyed the podcast. Like, follow and subscribe. And if you have the inclination, then please leave me a little review if you don't mind. It's so very helpful for getting my podcast out there in front of people. See you next week. Bye.